Well, we've got the Dow up 12 days in a row, but with Alphabet and Microsoft having reported, and with Meta just about to, we're looking at the Nasdaq and seeing how that performs in the short term. We've got a renaissance coming through in Chinese equity markets, but can it last? Property stocks all the rage at the moment. We've got a market that's fixated once again on selling euros, and Blake and I focus on various trades around that. And we look ahead at a plethora of event risk with the Bank of Japan, the ECB and the Fed meeting very much in our sights. We are all risk managers. This is Tradeoff. Well, good day. I'm Chris Weston from Pepperstone, and I'm going to be joined by Blake Morrow from Forex Analytics in two seconds. And there is a lot to discuss. We've got central bank meetings coming through. We've got Aussie CPI prints coming out in, in a few hours. Uh, we've got corporate earnings really ramping up. Yeah, it's all going on at the moment. Volatility is pretty, pretty low still, so the market's not really responding as realised volatility remains very subdued. Um, but we'll see if that picks up given the event risks and, and potentially if there's a change in the script, we'll go through there. But talking about Mr. Script, let's bring in Blake Morrow. How are we going, Mr. Good Sir? Mr. Script? Well, I don't hey, know. Yeah, call, yeah. call you a different name. But uh, yeah, how are you going, mate? Will? <laughs> I'm doing well. I'm uh, staying cool, you know, over here in the uh, in uh, whatever hemisphere I'm in, uh, sweating my butt off. But it's it's all right. It's all right. It's good. Don't yeah. want to talk weather. I want to talk markets. Yeah, let's talk markets, mate. Let's get straight into it. Let's go topical thunder. What? Yeah, I want to talk risk. Um, yeah, set the platform. Um, yeah, we've got the yeah the Dow. Uh, is up 12, day, 12 days in a row. Uh, I think in 2017, we got 13 days in a row before we sort of came off. I know people are sort of looking up at the casino board, the roulette board, and saying, yeah, there's 12 reds. The next one's got to be a, uh, a black, so to speak. And I think, yeah, there must be a few people looking to get a little bit short for a little bit of mean reversion on the back of that. We'll see. Yeah, we've got numbers just coming through from Microsoft and from Google or um, uh, Alphabet. Alphabet's numbers actually look pretty good. The stock's up 7.6% after hours. It's got Meta in the session ahead. Um, and then obviously we go into next week, we've got Apple and, and some other big names as well. But we're getting through to the meat of earnings season. Um, yeah, I think 20, 26% of stocks have reported so far. 80% have beaten on the EPS by an average of 6.4%. Those that have beaten and 56 on the sales number. So earnings are all right, you know. And then we've got central bankers coming out this week. I wonder if we're going to see any kind of anything that's going to change the market pricing and create volatility coming forward. But equities look pretty firm at the moment. People are still buying dips. Um, some of the European data data started rolling over, which makes us, yeah, I know we're going to talk a lot about the euro today. Um, if I look at S&P volatility, realised volatility one month, realised vol, it's about 8.8%. Um, it's very, very low indeed. And that suggests to me that, that selling rallies in the VIX is still probably the right trade. But we're not going to get that vol explosion until realised vol starts pushing a little bit higher. Um, but, you know, you've got real rates yeah, holding in, inflation expectations started moving up a little bit. Um, yeah, what are you seeing at the moment? How, how's your bias at the moment? Are you buying dips? Are you selling rallies? Are you you staying long? How's your how's your sort of risk bias at the moment? It's it's actually quite neutral. Um, you know, I'm going to bring up some charts that I think um, garner not only yours but everybody else's attention, uh, especially even in, in in when you start talking equities. But I'm pretty balanced right now, and and I'm I'm actually pretty hedged. Uh, but I know this is a big week, and I think the risks are that the markets have been. Uh, you know, just really 
not paying attention to what the Fed has to say as far as where, where rates are going. And I think, it, you know, if, if the Fed and other central banks, which we're going to have discussions about, um, you know, really start talking about rates where they're going to stay and they're, they're going to stay here longer. I'm wondering if that that's finally going to hit home with the market, especially after such an elongated run. You know, we're not quite at we're, we're almost at highs of the year. We're not quite at all time highs, but we're not far off in many markets. And, and you know, you could argue that some markets have been surging to uh, all time highs or close to like if, if you talk about maybe like the German DAX or the, the Nikkei. So, um, you know, I think earnings are still a big deal. Uh, we still got, so, you know, some really big, big names coming up. Uh, this week, uh, we just got past, uh, you know, some earnings today, which we'll talk a about a couple of those stocks here in a bit. But um, I think there's still some risks out there. And, and you know, I, I look at I look at the bond market and the bond markets, you know, kind of sideways. Uh, it's like it, it's it feels like the calm before the storm, Chris. Yeah, I just said before we go on to the ECB and Bank of Japan, I mean, I think. I think the US data is still still hot. Consumer confidence was a two-year high yesterday. I mean, we've got this kind of immaculate disinflation, which is supporting equities, I suppose. You know, the, the fact that the Fed are, are reducing inflation um, and, and, and raising rates without causing any kind of major economic fragility. And we're seeing that in Europe with economic fragility there. Um, and, and China's data is still pretty low. But the... Um, yeah, I think the, the US data is holding up despite, you know, 5.25% inflation, uh, uh, Fed funds. And so I think for me, well, um, if we were to see inflation expectations kick up, inflation realised inflation kick up, um, that that would cause I think gyrations in markets. But uh, yeah, I think it's really down to the data. As long as the data in the US is holding up and and giving us a soft landing approach, then I think yeah equities are holding. When that starts rolling over, then I think we start we start de-risking and we start we, we get a better shorting opportunities. So I think they're the focus. They're the two points. Yeah, what happens with the data? What happens with inflation? I think yeah that that that's where the equity market's keying off. All right. Well, we're going to we're going to shift over to the couple central banks that I think need our attention, which is the ECB and the BOJ. But before we do that, I just need to say that we are, you know, we are bringing up some commodities uh, today. And I know you all you, you, you brought some charts with you today uh, between that and China. Um, you know, remember, we do have PCE at the end of the week, which might actually move the markets a Good, little bit yeah, as well. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so that that is on Friday. But let's talk about the ECB and the BOJ. And I, I mean, my question is to you: which one's the more interesting meeting? Now, first, I'm, I'm going to say that my the more interesting meeting to me is going to be the BOJ. Um, the BOJ they used uh, the their sneak attack, and they the uh, the sources, you know, those sources that no one can name, uh, official sources side that the uh, YCC. There's not going to be any change in in policy this week. Um, it moved the markets late on Friday. It was actually late Friday for Japan. While I was sleeping, you were probably awake. Stopped me out of some of my yen, yen trades. But, you know, I, I think that move was by design personally. And I said this in the week, my week ahead video that I, I talked about the BOJ positioning itself. So because they don't want everybody front running a policy change. So I believe that if we're trading at 142 in the in the dollar yen or close to versus 135 or 136, if everybody's front running it, the, the the movement that you see over the next six months is going to be much different, you know, if they do start tweaking YCC this week. So I believe that the BOJ is going to be the more exciting yeah. um, uh, meeting, but I don't want to take away from the ECB either because I think expectations are pretty lofty based mm. on, you know, some of the data that we've been getting from Europe. So what, which one of those two uh, central banks are going to be your more important ones? Well, the most important thing is what the market thinks is, is, is 
going to be the more uh, has the highest propensity for movement. And they're saying the Bank of Japan, if you look at implied volatility in the options market, it's that they're saying you're going to get a bigger move over the Bank of Japan and the ECB meeting. We're not expecting much over the ECB meeting. They'll raise rates 25 basis points. Uh, you know, if anyone disagrees with me, you're wrong. Um, <laughs> sorry, but yeah, the market's thoroughly disciplined, dis- discounting 25 basis points. Lagarde's pretty much explicitly said they're going to raise rates here. Uh, the question is, is, is how ambiguous they'll be about you know, the timing of the next hike, and, and they'll be very vague indeed. The market's pricing in probably another one. Well, you know, by by mid by late year, by the end of the year, we don't know when that's going to be. So they'll be vague, and they'll say they're data dependent. The Bank of Japan, though, look, you know, I agree. They, they've lowered expectations. But Oeda's come in, and, and he's got a slightly different mandate, I believe, to win credibility about their forward guidance. Um, they had been predictable. They were certainly unpredictable um, in January. They were unpredictable in December when they actually changed YCC. No one was expecting it. So this is a bank where people are saying, well, if we are going to be shocked, it's going to be from the Bank of Japan. But I think Oeda needs to win credibility for his forward guidance. And given that article, I believe that they won't change YCC. If they were, there'd be a massive rally, I think, in, in both, um, you know, in, in, in the yen. And that's a risk. So, yeah, I would be looking to reduce my exposures over that just in case. What if you can sleep well? I'll be probably, you know, sort of on a flight back from the Gold Coast on Friday. So I won't be able to look at those positions anyway. But, yeah, I mean, that's it. It's a, it is a risk. I think what we'll see is is, is the calm. I think I don't think there will be huge changes. And most people are now expecting those YCC changes to happen in October. But it's a risk. And the market's saying, if yeah, they, they are hedging that risk through the options market. You can see that. So, yeah, I think yeah, the Bank of Japan is the big one. If we are going to get movement, it's going to be coming from there. So we'll see what happens there. I want to bring up the Fed meeting because that's that's going to be coming up um, in the in the session ahead. Um, for me, Blake, they raised twenty five basis points. If anyone disagrees with me, you're wrong. Um, the market's hundred percent pricing that in, or nearly hundred percent pricing in. That is, uh, yeah, that's discounted now. The bank, uh, the Fed have had a chance to push back on that. They didn't do that. The market's saying they're going to raise. The question then is, um, when do they? Um, yeah, do they, yeah, we, they? We know that they've got one more dot left in them, they've one more hike left in them. Do they give any kind of clarity as to when that's going to be? The market's saying at the moment we're going to get hike in July or tonight. Um, the question is that we've got about 40% chance that they raise by November, and that's them done. So they're going to be very much data dependent. What happens with core PCE this week? What happens with the CPI print on the 10th of August? Yeah, all these factors will determine whether they look to raise rates in, in probably in November, uh, if at all. Um, so they're going to so me, they raise rates tonight. They give a, a view that they're, they're not done hiking. Um, they're not going to give factory laps at the moment because I still believe there's a lot of people who think that inflation could ramp up again but due to base effects into the back end of the year. Um, and therefore, um, yeah, there'll be vague, pretty much like the, the, the ECB, I suppose. So they'll, they'll not do victory laps at this stage. Um, I think this is this is one where they'll be pretty vague, but give some positive thoughts that inflation has come down uh, yeah, in line with their expectations. So yeah, is this going to be a dollar volatility event? Not sure where the risks lie, to be honest. I think they're, they're pretty much symmetrical. How are you seeing this one? Uh, pretty much the same. And and that's why, um, hence my my hedging. Now, the, the thing... The thing that I mean, I'm obviously no central banker, nor am I, you know, uh, have any any uh, any uh, reason to even think I would ever be one. But if I was, I'd just be get it out of the way, you know, raise rates tomorrow, uh, yeah, tomorrow, and then raise rates in September, get it out of the way, and let monetary policy work its magic and see see what the the, the effects are, 
you know, months down the road, just kind of get it out of the way and then go to data dependency. Um, me personally, but you know, you're right, September, November, we're not really too sure, but I think the real trick is going to be the dot plots and what, what people, what fed governors see into 2024. Remember the market's still pricing in how many rate cuts, Chris, in 2024? Well, if, right if you go into SOFA, which is the secured overnight rate, um, in the yeah. futures there, we're pricing in about 130 basis points of cuts. Oh. They've come out of the market, given the data, you know, the, the better manufacturing uh, PMI numbers, also consumer confidence numbers. Uh, so, but but we are still. The market is saying that yeah, we are expecting rate cuts from around March and about 130 basis points of them. So, yeah, and I was thinking 125 is where my head was at. And and yeah, the, but here's the thing, I I just don't think I just don't think the Fed is going to be able to do that until no, I don't and, and even. even I don't they, they, what's that? I don't. I don't. I think that I think that pricing's too punchy. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I know. I agree with that. And so, but the, the Fed's going to have to hammer at home. And I think I, the Fed, or excuse me, the market has just not gotten the memo. And I don't know if this is going to be the meeting where they get the memo, but uh, but you would think, yeah, you you would think that the markets are going, hey, wait a second. It maybe has to do with the plots. And so is it going to be a volatility event? Well, I mean, it's an interesting one, Blake, because you've got Goldman Sachs who are coming out and saying um, that, that, that the last inflation number was a defining moment. Inflation is going to go lower, and we get yeah. There's real risks to the to the Fed's projection of uh, of three point nine percent core PCE by the end of the year, and then you've got other other you know, economists, um, you know, who are saying that there's there's a, a real risk that we get inflation. Um, rising on a year-on-year basis from the September time because of base effects that are kicking in, um, and then that's something that the, 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 the Fed will have to deal with. So again, you know, I know there's a lot of people who are watching this show today who are saying that the markets have been terrible at pricing interest rates. You know, whether you're looking at Fed funds futures or SOFA or Euro dollar when it was as existing, we you know, the markets perennially got this wrong. They've got market pricing completely wrong in 2023 and 2024. Economists have got it wrong. Um, you know, and I think we've got to keep an open mind as to what inflation is going to do for the rest of the year. And, and therefore, yeah, could we get another leg up in year over year inflation? Who knows? Uh, most people, the market seems to believe we're going to get trickled down. But I, I don't know. And our job as traders is not necessarily to forecast that. It certainly isn't to forecast that. But it's to trade the, the way that the market's thinking and the aggregation of behaviours. So, yeah, we'll listen to what economists have to say. Um, but at the end of the day, we've got to try and make money from from the from the moves in the market. That's very different from what economists are saying, right? Hundred percent, hundred percent. Well, you know, let's speaking of which, let's uh, let's go to the last uh, topic and let's talk about China. You know, as you mentioned last week or the last couple of weeks, the the, the Politburo uh, meetings that are happening in China. Look, China, China's. I think it's safe to say that their reopening fell flat on its face. Um, they they still even though they're doing some stimulus measures to try to prop up their economy and and, I, and I'll tell you you could see it you know coming through commodities we we talked about uh, cotton last week that basing chart it actually broke out the last two days uh, I know we're going to talk more about commodities uh, you know crude oil is above its 200 day moving average you got Brent moving higher you know you got inflation that's probably set to move higher and and I and I, I don't know if it correlated so much with China. And these stimulus me- measures, but they still cite that they're, they they have a lot of difficulties and challenges from domestic demand. And you know, we we've seen it in some earnings. I know we have uh, LVMH might have just come out today. I think is this afternoon. I haven't looked yet. But then we had the Richemont Group last week, and you know, there's spending is definitely slowing, especially on the high end of the Chinese consumer. But 
you know, what is China going to do to to really prop up their economy from here? Do we have, uh, you know, reserve requirement rate cuts coming? Uh, what, what do you think is coming? But but it, it seems like it's feeding in the market. The market's trying to you look at the Chinese markets, the CNH, uh, the 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 honk. Uh, the the CNH 50, the China China 50, trying to break higher. Hong Kong, uh, you know, Hang Seng's trying to move higher. What are your thoughts here? Well, I thought that, that being long dollar CNH, the offshore yuan, was one of the best trades you could have in in, in global macro. I just I, I was looking at the the falling domestic demand, the fact that China was ramping up its its you know, the, the its role of goods in the in the world's economy, and saying, well, really, you know, when you got this this significant decline in in, in you know, global demand for for these products that they've had, and they've shifted a lot of their employment into the manufacturing space. Really, the only way they're going to offset that is by giving the world purchasing power in there. Yeah, you know, and, and that means a weaker weaker you are. And, and I thought that just was a, a, a pretty straightforward trade. The last couple of days, though, they've really pushed back on on the yuan weakness. And whether that's superficial, just to make it look like as as Yellen comes over to China, make it look like you know we're, we're not going to continue to allow this devaluation taking place. Maybe it's superficial, but I thought you know and I. I can explain my thesis in greater depth in, in, in future articles, but you know, I just thought this was just a, a pretty straightforward trade, not just from a carry perspective, but um, you know, I thought that was the case. But yeah, I think that the, the Politburo have, have made it pretty clear that, that they've moved away from housing is, is for living um, you know, and, and not for speculation. They've removed that. The market's got very excited. There's other measures that have taken place, um, very targeted around the housing side of things. Um, but we've seen, yeah, we saw really good moves in Chinese equity markets, huge inflows through the northbound connect. Um, the question is, 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 is this a one-day affair? Or, or, you know, is there a way of trading this right now um, being long, you know, the Hang Seng or long the H shares or the, the CN50 and short, you know, European market, for example? Maybe that, that's a trade um, we'll have to see. But, yeah, I think uh, I wouldn't necessarily be seeing – a lasting bull market in Chinese because of what Chinese equities because of what we've seen from Politburo. I still think there's risks. I think this Politburo meeting was above expectations, but not by a significant amount. And therefore, I think there's probably a little bit more upside in Chinese equity markets, but not a lot. And so I wouldn't be going long uh, based on this myself, Blake. Well, just quick one before we go into the next section. What are you thinking on the on the Chinese equity well, side? I, I actually think because domestic demand is dropping and it's hard for them to control that. I, I actually think long US dollar CNH at some point in the not distant future is probably still really good trade. Well, I so. do as well, but they're, 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 they've been talking about um, lowering the volatility and various factors. So it's not an easy one-way street anymore. That was that, That's no. annoying for us trend followers. But True. I still think from a fundamental perspective that, you know, Let's talk in two months' time. You're going to see it. you're going to see an eight in front of the big figure there. I think is going to be the is the realistic situation. I I think they they know they need a weaker yuan. Um, they have to pull that lever, right? But they can't they, they they can't make it look like they they yeah they they look like they need to push back on this and they're doing that right now. So yeah, I like I think dollar CNH um, goes higher. And I'd be using pullbacks as a buying opportunity in my opinion. Anyway, let's move on. Let's go to that's a setup. Right, we're very, very Eurocentric today, and I think rightly so. Yeah, Euro's moving, and and that tends to be where, yeah, that seems to be the sort of the light that that that, that flies Blake and I sort of gravitate to. A lot of traders, we we tend to flock to movement. That's what we do. Um, 
But I will start with Euro Aussie. Um, and the reason I want to look at start with Euro Aussie is because, yeah, we've got a CPI number in Australia coming out in the session ahead. I think the market's pricing uh, rates at 14 basis points, a 55% chance that the RBA raise rates next week. And obviously that CPI number is going to affect that. Um, you've got the Aussie buoyed up by what they're seeing in China. I think that's a, probably the bigger driver, actually. So when we saw you know, the yuan strengthen yesterday, we saw the Aussie strengthen in appreciation. So yeah, if anyone who's trading the Aussie, you've got to keep an eye on the CNH. That is the absolute driver, uh, more than domestic factors. Um, but what we see now is, is you know, you've seen that, that, that horizontal resistance level. There's been a number of fake outs that have taken place. We've got that negative divergence playing through. That's playing out now, as you can see. Um, but it really doesn't want to close above, or it never wanted to close above that, that, res, that, that resistance level and we're just seeing yeah people looking to take those breakout strategies getting burnt time and time again but now we're going down into that support level um you know down into the one 162 area 162.50 or so um you know blake question do you do how do we trade this is one for the scalpers to go long off, off, off that support level um do we wait for the close there for a move down into so one 159 or so how, how would you trade this right now on that setup I'd play it off the uh, the, the channel support because it's a it's it's a decent risk reward. Obviously, you got you, your rewards pretty well defined. You know, in these markets, you have to also trade smaller positions, wider stops because you have to you know compensate for for false breakouts, false breakdowns. You can see it even on the upside there. But um, you know, just just a few days ago or last week. But I, I like playing it off the lows, and the reason why is because it is more of a risk aversion type of tool and. Based on some of the things that I've been seeing over the last week, I, I think that we are on the cusp of, of getting a little bit of a pullback. And if we do in, in equities, um, I think the Euro Aussie could be poised to play right back up to the, the channel high. So So question for you, right? So when you're seeing a setup like that, I mean, obviously the the setup is the setup. Um, but, you know, you, you, you take this down into, say, 15 minute, 30 minute charts and you, and you trade the reaction off that. Off that level, so this gives you the oversight where the yeah you know, where where the support you know, resistance is going to be, um, and then you trade the reaction right. So how would you take this daily chart and say, well, you know, I'm actually now going to trade this? Are you going to what time frames would you take this down into? I, I would take I usually take things into a four hour time frame, okay. but what what in this case because we we have Australian uh, inflation data here very shortly, like literally in a few hours from the time of us filming. Um, what I'd like to see is a, is a move below that support and a move back up over that support. Yep. So tell me that it's holding by the end of the session. So if I'm in North America and we dip below, I was just looking for the chart on my screen um, uh, just so I can see that horizontal support exactly where it's at. Oh, here it is. Um, so if we dip dip right below the um, the uh, 162.30, you know, and then then let's say we even push some stops below 162 and we pop back up to 162.50. I'd be looking at in the in the next uh, uh, session. So going into Asia the next day, I look to buy dips from yeah. there. So that means I'll try to pick it up on one sixty two twenty or something. Yeah, I so. think this is an impossible one to to forecast, and we don't forecast. We react in this situation. ECB, yeah, CNH, off, and, and Aussie CPI. You've got these concuff these cross currents, which are, are going to affect it. It'll be interesting. Let's see how this how this you know the, the, the daily candle settles, and I think that will tell us a lot of information that we need to know. Right. Well, you know, speaking of the euro, let's go to the, my my first setup, which is going to be the euro yen. You know, you're playing the ECB, Bank of Japan. Um, as as you already know, I, I think that even if the Bank of Japan doesn't uh, tinker with YCC, they are going to move up their inflation expectations, which yeah. will be moderately yen strength. Yen strength. Uh, the yen will gain strength moderately following the BOJ. 
But also regarding the ECB, I, I, I would, you know, based on some of the economic data that we saw, and you could go even earlier this week and go look at the PMI data that came mm. out. We had the uh, the German um, OFO. Uh, sentiment. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, we had exactly. the European we, Bank we, Lending uh, yeah. Survey as well, which showed, I think, the biggest drop off in, in bank lending drop, yeah. ever or something. <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. So you, you, you can see the economic data really sour. So I think the ECB is actually set up more for a, a dovish type of meeting. Yeah. Uh, I think that Christine Lagarde might be a little bit more dovish. Therefore, we've got a nice double top set up here with the euro yen. Um, that means while we're below and if we could get anywhere near uh, in the euro yen, we could get anywhere near that um, that 157.50 level, somewhere up there. I'd love to be on the short side mm. up at those levels because you know where your risk is. Yeah. And it, and a move below the 50 DMA, it's that your double top is in play and you You're can right, look yeah. for, for a move down towards 140. So anyway, what are your thoughts here with the euro yen? I think the risks are, uh, are skewed to, fundamentally, I think the risks are skewed to the downside. I think, yeah, the markets pair back expectations of the Bank of Japan. Therefore, you know, if they if they don't do anything, you're not going to see much of a negative reaction in the yen. Um, I look at the CPI and like their inflation forecast. They're, they're, that's a, a really interesting point you brought up. Um, I think we'll they'll they'll look to raise them for for this year to about three point three three and a half percent from what two point eight percent was their prior forecast. The numbers for next year are probably more important though because you know I can't remember what their their forecasts were before before it was like one point seven percent. Um, but yeah, if they take them up, you know, one point nine two percent, I think the market that would be a surprise, and, and the yen would rally. So all the risks, I think, yeah, I think the Bank of Japan don't do a lot, but that's that's priced in. If they do anything, you're going to see a massive move in the yen. Um, and I think you're right. The the risks in, in euro, which are probably priced, is that we're going to get a slightly slightly more than dovish reaction. So yeah, I think fundamentally it feels from a special situation that euro yen has downside risks. Um, yeah, into that into that double top uh, double top neckline. So yeah, that that that's probably the way I where I'll be playing it. Um, let's see. Let's go into crude, uh, Blake, because um, yeah, this is one that's been getting a little bit of attention from from clients. Um, and, and I think from a macro perspective, this is really important as well. I mean, the world seems to be catching up now to this this sort of structural deficit that, that's taking place in the crude market for this year and also for next year as well. I mean, we're seeing yeah, increasing demand playing through, but also supplies obviously being cut back because of OPEC. And it's interesting to see, you know, we get down to the sort of $67 level, um, which is where the, uh, the, you know, the US government have been saying they're going to look, look to replenish the um, uh, strategic petroleum reserves, and that sort of sort of coincides when OPEC look to cut back on production time and time again. It's almost like they're they're playing, um, yeah, the, the, the U.S. government, the Biden government in that situation. But we've seen, <laughs> you know, a really nice breakout, and technically it's doing all the right things. Obviously, a very strong trend that you've been seeing from sixty-seven dollars. Now, from a macro perspective, we've actually seen break-even rates, which is your inflation expectations in the bond market. They've been pushing up to about two thirty in five years. So what we've now seen is, is you know, there has been a moving in commodities. You've seen that in some of the agricultural and the soft commodities, oats, oil, uh, soybeans, all these factors. You know, cotton's been moving up a little bit higher now. Uh, OJ, or, yeah, then you go into nat gas. Gasoline's been on fire recently uh, and crude as well. And you've started to see inflation expectations started moving up. That's a concern for me from a macro perspective. But from a trading perspective, you know, can we get into these April highs here, Blake? Or do you think this is probably a bit overdone now? Well, I, I think while it's above the 200-day moving average, I think it's bullish. If you just take that last low that was at the very end of June and you just draw a trend line up the lows, 
that's going to keep you really in a trade from a bullish point of view. And I think you're right. I think the, this this tick higher in commodities is going to be a real thorn in the side for all these central banks and for consumers globally. We're going to see inflation continue to ramp higher. And, uh, and, and you know, 80 bucks is a big deal to me because 80 bucks is 161% extension of the recent range. So I know that because previously the 200 day moving average the 200 day moving average was the 127 percent extension 7990 something 97 i think is the 161 percent extension so i know that we're up against resistance but mm. i think you still have to buy tips and crew i just yeah do. i think i mean if you look so. at the futures curve at the moment it's obviously in steep backwardation and therefore you know people are incentivized to be long you get the roll down in the futures contract and again i think that sort of plays into buy the dips and the fact that price is still holding uh, yeah, above that five-day exponential to tells you that you know that the, the, the higher skew is towards being long until we close below that level so yeah i i, I wouldn't initiate new long positions here if i was long i'd definitely be staying in it um i certainly wouldn't be short right now the risk reward is, is from the from the higher time frames uh, isn't there yet yeah yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to I'm going to take you to my next setup is I'm going to take you to Microsoft. I know last week I brought Apple this week. I'm bringing Microsoft and you're probably thinking, what the hell? Uh, but it, I think this is a big deal because we just had earnings released just before we we filmed this. Matter of fact, I, I took this image of the chart uh, post market and the stock was only down three bucks. Now it's down 15 bucks or like over three percent. And it's actually below that support level that you see there. But this <clears> is a false breakout after hitting all-time highs. I cannot express to you all the importance of a false breakout after hitting all-time highs or a false breakdown after hitting all-time lows. If you get a reversal, which checking out tomorrow, if we close below 340 and definitely get below that 50 DMA, uh, DMA you're going to see some selling come into Microsoft. There's going to be a lot of systematic selling coming into Microsoft. And Microsoft happens to be a big component of a lot of U.S. indices. So keep an eye on Microsoft here. It looks bearish. They they just reported earnings. They, the you know, cloud computing earnings are, you know, their, their revenues are coming down, but they're they're putting all their eggs on AI, baby, on AI. But the we'll, we'll see where that goes. In AI. <laughs> Right, right. So, what what do you think about this uh, this chart here, Chris? <clears throat> well, um, I mean, uh, certainly from a fundamental perspective, um, e you're right. Everyone owns Microsoft. I mean, it's been Microsoft and Apple and Nvidia have, have just done everything, haven't they? So, this is this is a stock that is is so loved, and they needed to come out and absolutely smash the bejesus out of the expectations, and they didn't. Um, I think the earnings were were okay. Um, you know, personal. Computers seem to be okay. The cloud side of things, I think, is right. That's where I think the market said, "Well, we've got to." You know, it, they didn't absolutely smash it out on the cloud side, and I think that's where the stock is, is trading three point six percent lower after market. Um, yeah, revenue numbers for for this quarter were good, better, um, and yeah, this may be a stock that reverses. But yeah, I think what you're seeing in, in the price action there is a stock that is priced to perfection. They needed to absolutely smash it. They didn't. Um, yeah, it was pretty much in line with some fragility in cloud. Now the question is, is can this go lower? Um, yeah, absolutely can. I don't. I, I'm not one that, that expects this to have a, a, a 10, 20 percent decline. I think this is one that, that people will be looking to buy pullbacks in. But the significance of Microsoft on the broader index is real. So if you're a NASDAQ trader, if you're a NAS 100 trader or SM US 500 trader, you are watching the tape uh, of Microsoft. And, you know, I, I don't expect this to, to cause a significant drawdown, but I think a break of 340 and, and yeah, you, you've got to respect that. So, yeah, Microsoft's a really big deal. I'm glad you brought this one up because I think, yeah, everyone's going to be watching this one. 
Mr. Softy. That's that's the Alphabet's name of so Microsoft good. Alphabet's good though. Board. Alphabet was good numbers, and Meta was up three. Uh, sorry, one point seven percent after market. The market's implying movement of Meta of of eight point six percent in the session ahead. Um, so yeah, this is this is one that does have massive moves. The last three quarters have seen some out- outrageous moves in Meta. So this is one for the traders. Um, well, who likes a bit of volatility? I think, yeah, they've already got that tailwind from, from Alphabet's numbers. Yeah, Meta's the one we want to look at now in the session ahead. We'll see what happens there. Anyway, let's go to play of the day. Well, I'm going to go for a bit of nat gas. Now, the old natty uh, is one for the brave. You know, if you're, if you're trading nat gas, anyone who's traded nat gas probably looks about 70 years old. They've aged... <laughs> Very poorly, I reckon. <laughs> um, you know, it is it is it is one for you know, where you just absolutely, absolutely have to know your risk management. You absolutely have to know your position sizing and get your stops in the right place, or you will get blown out. So it is, it is someone who does for someone who does have that high risk tolerance. But what we've seen here, similar to what Blake brought up last week with the cotton chart, which I believe is now broken out. I'm right, Blake. Yeah. Okay. Good nod yes, there. Correct. Um, right. So you've got this this multi month. This 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 year to date consolidation. I know, you know, we traded what two ninety down into sort of three to two seventy or so. It's a decent percentage range, but you can see there that price has been moving sideways. And what we've now got is a consolidation. It's the ultimate Bollinger Band squeeze. So you've actually seen that realised vol, the price move, you know, really coming in relative to that twenty day moving average. Now, which way will it go? I have no idea. But what I want to do is react when it does, because that that concentration, that duration uh, of compression is when you start getting that powerful move. Now, we know with NatGas, this has a propensity to trend. The trend followers are looking at this one, and trends start with breakouts. Um, Now, breakouts often fail, and and therefore you get quite low win-loss ratios on these. Um, But when you're in there, you're looking for that that outlier, that kicker, that 5, 10, 20R. And so I want to wait for a breakout um, and a close on that breakout, and I want to be involved in that because there is... Yeah, a really high probability, given the length of this, that this could trend, and I want to be in part of that. So this is on my radar at the moment. I'm not long, um, but just because of the power and potential of this trade setup, yeah, when it does complete and it breaks out on a closing basis, then then I think this has the propensity to go on a big trend. So I'm looking at this one very closely. Awesome, awesome. Well, uh, have you ever played the pull my finger game with your kids? Because it's fun. <laughs> it's fun. I just, I don't know, I just do it with <laughs> <laughs> okay. Hey, uh, my play of the day is going to be the euro dollar. It's interesting. You know, my colleague who I do shows with every day, Ryan Littlestone. Oh, we know he's Ryan. also one of the. Yeah. Hey, Ryan. He's he's on he's on the he's on the trade off UK. Um, the funny thing is his setup is playing the euro the opposite way of me. Isn't it funny? We're on the same team, but we're skinning the cat a little bit differently. But his expectations were different. He was looking for a more hawkish ECB and a more dovish uh, Fed. So for me, I'm actually looking for a more hawkish Fed um, and a more dovish ECB. So the reason why this is key is because we are bouncing off the key 110.20 level. I've actually closed my euro dollar shorts from the last week. Um, Now I'm hoping that we can trade up towards 111, 111.50 following the FOMC. And then I'm going to look to sell euros above 111, hopefully closer to 111.20, 111.50. And then I'm going to look for a move lower with what I anticipate is a weaker ECB. And I think the dollar is actually staging a bigger recovery longer term. It's false break, false breakdown last week is a big deal. And I'm gonna play into that. 
being long dollars on dips or short euros in rallies. So I think that's you want to keep the euro. I want to think you want to keep an eye on dollar CNH. I think you know if, if the US dollar rallies against the the yuan. I think that has big implications because the dollar will rally against the euro, against the Aussie, the Kiwi, all those currencies as well. So I think that that's a cross that you need to have on, on, the, on the radar for your trade. Anyway, look, I've got you back. Um, I know that the, the team Ryan and, and, and um, team Michael are bad people. So I've got you back here, Blakes. Uh, so um, we'll see. How, hopefully, hopefully that works out in your favour. Love anyway. you guys. <laughs> anyway, hopefully, <laughs> if anyone who stayed on for this show, hit the like button, leave a comment on what some of the, 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 the action you've seen today. There's obviously a lot going on. Tell us how you're seeing the balance of risks, some of these event risks. And uh, we'll see you back more for next week for more of the, the trade-off. <laughs>